Good morning, everyone. Uh, for our guests, my name's Anton. I'm senior minister here. And uh, as we've been reflecting on people who, uh, who are here from all different uh, stages, uh, there are many stages of life, aren't there? We all go through different phases in our lives. And one of those phases is our, uh, the phases of gift giving that occur as we, as we grow up. So, uh, you might need to think a little bit far, far back. Remember there was a season where Every gift you were buying was a 21st gift. That was just whenever you, you know, whenever you needed a gift, it was for a 21st gift. They were happening all the time. And then the next phase, you move in, and maybe it's the wedding gift phase, where most of the gifts you're giving are with people getting married. And then, of course, as life progresses, you have the odd 40th present or 50th present or 80th present, and, you know, and it goes on and goes on. Uh, for me and for my family, get, do you know what phase, what pre- gift-giving phase we're in? Yes, well, kids, we were in the kind of the uh, primary, uh, primary school girl gift-giving phase. <laughs> and it's, it's, for me at least, it's fairly fraught, you know. Is, is, the, is the girl into craft or are they, uh, would they like something, an outdoor activity? Would they like, like, would they like a card game? What colour would they like their present? It's, you know, you can see, you can imagine how much is delegated to other members of my family in terms of gift-giving. Uh, and it's kind of, it's more like a, it's more an obligation type of gift. It's more, okay, you've, you've been invited to this party and so, well, I guess we're obligated to bring a gift. And particularly because we had them to your party and they brought you a gift. So most gifts are kind of obligation gifts, but not all. Have you ever thought about giving a gift to God? Has that ever crossed your mind? Have you ever thought about giving a gift to God? Not necessarily out of obligation, but have you, has that thought crossed your mind? And uh, particularly, why would you do that? Why would you give a gift to God? Uh, you know, God is eternal, so he doesn't have a birthday. So why would you give a gift to God? And then you might be thinking... Well, if I wanted to, what would I give him? You know, the, he is Lord over, over time itself, and so he doesn't need a watch. Or everything belongs to him, so a wallet isn't really necessary. Or as we've sung, God is holy, there's nothing impure in him, so we can't just give him cologne to make him smell better. What would you give to God? These are very difficult questions to answer. But today, uh, we, I'm going to take you back to a time when God's people had a clear answer to these questions and a clear reason for giving gifts. We're going back to Leviticus, as we've heard, uh, where the people of the Holy God knew what they could give God and had a very good reason to give to Him. And as we go back there in the Bible today, we'll see what our relationship with God could be like could be like, so that we might know what we could give to God and have a good reason to do it. Let me pray as we turn to God's Word. Heavenly Father, help us to see you clearly today and see all that you've done to us, uh, done for us through your Son. May that shape our heart so that we have a right respect and fear of you 
and overflow with generosity towards you for all that you are. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, open back to Leviticus chapter 1. Uh, Leviticus isn't a book that we turn to all that often, so it'd be great to have that open so you can follow along. And we'll see from the very start, it says, The Lord called to Moses, verse 1, sorry, The Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting. So remember Moses, uh, God's people who have been leading them uh, through to, uh, to this point. And it mentions the tent of meeting. It mentions the tent of meeting. We saw this at the end of our Exodus series last time. It's, uh, it's this, uh, this tent thing that has been, that the Lord commanded them to build and to set up. And all the, all of God's people were arranged in their tribes around the tent of meeting or the tabernacle as you might know it of. It's the center of the camp. And so the tabernacle is kind of the place where God dwells with his people. It's also kind of like, um, Maybe it's a bit like Parliament House. It's the it's the the seat of where God rules His people, and so from the tent of meeting, God utters His first words to His people, uh, who are now organised uh, around Him. And God's words, oh, we saw this. Sorry, and yes, in uh, Exodus we saw that uh, at the very end of the book of Exodus. The cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. It's the place where God dwells. And uh, his first words to them, they were not commands, you must do this. They were not judgments, but they were instructions for gift giving. They were instructions on what and how to give God. And so have a look at the end of verse 1. He said, God said, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, When anyone among you brings an offering to the Lord, bring as your offering an animal from either the herd or the flock. And so this is one of a few offerings, uh, and there are various types of offerings as we go through Leviticus. There's other things that happens in Leviticus too. But the book starts with, What can Israel offer God? And it says... And these are not uh, commanded, they're entirely voluntary. But they are anticipated that the people would give these gifts. You know, it says, when anyone brings an offering to the Lord. And as you read through the first few chapters of Leviticus, they explain the procedure for different kinds of offerings. So we've got a burnt offering first in chapter 1. If you just see the very start of chapter 2, it's when anyone... Uh, anyone brings a grain offering to the Lord. Or in chapter 3, when your offering is a fellowship offering. So there's different type of offerings with uh, a slight slight nuance between them all. Uh, We're going to particularly look at the first one today. But before we get into the detail, we're going to ask the question, why? Why would God's people, all the way back here, why would they give God a gift? What would prompt them? back then, to give an offering to God. Uh, Well, American pastor Tim Keller tells uh, a story of two farmers. 
Uh, back in medieval times, uh, there was a farmer. There was one farmer. And he went off one day to the castle to see the king. And he brought his finest carrots to the king. And he said, O king, you are so good to us. You are so kind. You are all powerful in our little realm. I offer you my best carrots to you. The king received the carrots and thanked him. And he said, and the king, and the king uh, in response gave him an embroidered robe and gave him a place in his court, this local farmer, to honour him for what he did. Now there was a second farmer and he saw what happened to the first farmer. So he went along to the castle with his best carrots and offered them and he, to the king and said, Oh, king, here are my best carrots for you. And the king received the carrots and said, Thank you very much. You may go. Now, the second farmer was, was not happy with this. He said to the king, But this other farmer brought you carrots and you gave him a place of honour. And the king said, Well, the first farmer brought his carrots to honour me. But you brought carrots to receive honour for yourself. Now, the story is told to uh, think through are our gifts uh, in order to receive something in return. That's the big point of uh, the story. But when I hear that story, I'm struck by that first farmer to go, what is it in that first farmer that he just decided to give his best of his crop to the farmer, to the, to the king. What was it about the king and what was in the farmer's heart that he just wanted to give that gift to, uh, to the king? Well, that's what God's people are doing at the start of Leviticus. In their heart, they just have the desire to voluntarily give to God, not expecting anything in return. Now, there will be some offerings, as we'll see through Leviticus, that are required, particularly to make atonement for sin. But these initial offerings are voluntary. They're a chance to give to God. Why would they do that? Well, to answer that, we need to put the book of Leviticus into its biblical and historical context. What's happened to God's people up to this point? Because if you reverse back in the Bible, uh, we're right in the book of Exodus. This comes right after the story of Exodus. And as you may remember, if you were here last year, we saw all that God did for his people through the book of Exodus. We heard God hear the cries of his people in, uh, under slavery in Egypt. We saw God then call Moses in the burning bush and to give him his personal name, the name Yahweh. And then uh, we see God do mighty acts in Egypt parting the Red Sea so that his people uh, can escape. And then we see God giving them his good law to live by. And then we see him dwelling with his people in the tabernacle. And so with all this, God sums it up uh, in this way. He says, you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt Ah, didn't quite work. I read it for you. Uh, did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. 
And so now that the tabernacle is all set up, now they can show their appreciation to God. They can pay homage to God who saved them. They can thank him for all that he has done. They were nobodies under oppression. And now they are in the presence of God. They can thank him for what he's done. If the people back then had such keenness to offer gifts to God, how much more reason do we have to offer gifts to God? Because as we heard over Easter, Jesus has set us free from slavery to sin. Jesus has freed us from eternal death by giving up his life. Jesus is risen so that we have hope in our own resurrection from the dead. And Jesus has made us a people of his very own so that we have one another to love and to serve together. We would be nobody. We would be trapped by our own desires, our own pleasures, our own fears, our, anxi- our own anxieties. But Jesus has set us free so that we can live for God just as he made us to live. He's given us a great purpose and a great hope. The Israelites had a reason why they would offer gifts to God. Do you have a reason? Is your heart just looking for an opportunity to give God a gift just because? Do you have a reason? And if not, maybe we've lost sight of Jesus, looking too much on ourselves. May we fix our eyes on Jesus so that we may see a reason to give to God. But what would we give to God? What is a fitting gift for the God of the universe, the God who has saved us? And what gift will God be pleased with? Because if you're going to give a gift to God, you want him to be willing to accept it, right? You know, we've all had that gift that uh, it's been really hard to receive. You've, uh, you've been given it and you see what it is and you, you kind of cringe inside. And if you weren't so polite, you'd just give it back. But no, you wouldn't do that. We don't want God to have that reaction, do we? Well, back in the era of Leviticus, God had a clear answer of what to give him. Or the people had a clear answer of what to give him because God had given them the answer. Have a look down at Leviticus 1, halfway through verse 2, it said, Speak, uh, oh, sorry, at verse 2, speak to the Israelites and say to them, When anyone among you brings an offering to the Lord, bring as your offering an animal from either the herd or the flock. Okay, so it could be, uh, it could be cattle, it could be sheep or goats, but it's something of your, of, uh, something of, uh, of yours, something of, of value. Uh, you know, the biggest asset of the time was, was livestock. That's where your, uh, your wealth and your livelihood came. This is what you are to give to the Lord, something of value. You remember, like that, the woman who, uh, who used up her whole jar of expensive perfume to anoint Jesus. It's a, it's a gift that will cost you. It's a gift that costs you. And God chooses exactly what that is. 
And then it goes on, verse 3, have a look. If the offering is a burnt offering from the herd, you are to offer a male without defect. So it's no good just giving God something you want to get rid of anyway. A calf with a broken leg or some sort of deformity or something, something that was sick. No, you give God your best. You give God your best. Uh, you know, it's, it's like in uh, the grain offering. So verse 2, it says, when, uh, chapter 2, when anyone brings a grain offering to the Lord, their offering is to be of the finest flour. You give God your best. But back to that first chapter. It also said, you give according to God's word. So it's something of value. It is your best. And you give according to what God says. And here's what God says, verse 3. Says uh, uh, halfway through, you must present it at the entrance to the tent of meeting, so that it will be acceptable to the Lord. So the Israelites couldn't just offer a gift anywhere; it had to be in the place where God chooses. And then you had to follow uh, the instructions that God gives. And so, for this burnt offering, the the animal had to be slaughtered in a specific way. The priest had to perform certain rituals. And then the whole animal was to be burnt up. And then that would be an aroma pleasing to the Lord. So for God to be pleased with their offering, it had to be a gift of God's choice that was valuable. It had to be your best. It had to be according to God's word. So for the Israelite who wants to give an offering to God out of praise to him, out of thankfulness to him, They were to expect nothing in return. The whole animal was burnt up. But it needs to be valuable, needs to be your best, needs to be according to God's instruction. And then the promise was it would be an aroma pleasing to the Lord. The Lord would be pleased with this offering. It's a gift that he would like to receive. What a joy that would be to know that the God of the universe happily accepted your gift. How good it is to give a gift received with pleasure. But of course, that was back then in the time of Leviticus. That was pre-Jesus. And we are now under a new covenant with God where there's no tabernacle and no altar. And so what is the gift today that pleases the Lord? Well, can you turn back with me to page 1616 to Romans 12? Page 1616, Romans 12. Because here is where we see what gift to God might look like. Romans 12.1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So can you see the why? Why would we give a gift? Well, it's in view of God's mercy. And so in all the rest of Romans, we see God being merciful 
giving his son to people who don't deserve anything so that we can be right with God. There could be no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus in view of that mercy that we don't deserve. That's our reason why we're to give. And here's what to give. We're to give to offer our bodies. That is our whole very selves. But we're not to offer up our, ourselves to be slaughtered like the, the bulls or the sheep, but to be a living sacrifice, giving up our whole lives to God day by day. That's what true and proper worship is. That is the gift that is pleasing to God, giving God our very selves. Remember what Jesus said. Jesus said, give back to Caesar what is Caesar, that is taxes, and give to God what is God's. We have been made by God. We have been saved by God. And so the appropriate gift is to give ourselves to him. That is what God asks us to give. That is the present that pleases him. It's the whole you. Because what is more valuable to you than you to give to God? This is the gift of great value, your very self. In your mind, is God worth that gift? Is God worthy of that gift? Giving yourself entirely to him? And are we giving God our best? Are we giving God our best? This really uh, was confronting to me this week. I was particularly thinking about time, my time. And uh, usually my best time is uh, in the morning after the kids have gone off to school. But so often I go, oh, okay, here's my best time. I'm going to devote that to the most important tasks that I need to get done this morning. And whenever I make that decision... Time with God gets, God gets my leftover time when I'm less alert, less engaged. I don't know, is it like that with you, with, with church or with small group? Are those things something that, well, you intend to do most weeks, but if it's been a big week or if something uh, more important comes up or if it's just too much, then, well, then we'll send apologies. Now, of course, there'll be times where we, we can't make it. But is our attitude, well, I'll come if I'm up for it? Are we giving God our best? We're to give of ourselves of great value. We're to give our best. But how do we give according to God's word? What word from God directs us to what a good gift looks like? Well, maybe when we're thinking about what we could give to God, we'll... We'll think of a financial offering. It's a bit like in Leviticus. They gave uh, you know, their, an, an economic gift, one part of their livestock. Uh, our minds often go there, and that would be right. Because in uh, 2 Corinthians, we see that uh, it's, Paul says, See that you also excel in this grace of giving, giving financially. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty... So that you, through his poverty, might become rich. So there's another reason why we're to give. But he's saying, no, excel in the, the grace of giving. The finances fit the bill for a gift of God. Something of value. It's your best. It's according to God's word. And so do you see what you give to church 
and the ministry here as an offering to God. And don't get me wrong, we should give to, to make sure that the staff are paid and make sure that the building gets repaired and the lights stay on. And uh, Rob, our warden, will say more on this a little later on. But are you a cheerful giver who longs to give something of value to God? Both uh, in lots of different ways. But it's not just finances we can offer to God or should offer to God. Romans 12, have a look through that this week and see what, what it looks like for our whole lives to be given to God. In that second chapter there in Romans 12, it is, well, what gift do I have? What, um, what talent or ability do I have that I can uh, serve God with and serve others with? Or from verse 9 onwards, how can I give to God by loving others, honoring others, being hospitable, living in harmony with others. These are things that we can do for the good of others, but also as an offering to God. And so when you invite someone round for a meal, do it as an offering to God. As you choose to bless an enemy as opposed to cursing them, say, Lord, I am doing this for you. As you serve in the busy kitchen on Sunday morning, have a heart that says, Lord, I am giving this over to you. Colossians says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. But as I wrap up, do you know what part, what this part of Leviticus helps us with the most? I think it gets down to how do we relate to God? How do we see, see God? How do you as an individual and how do we as a church, how do we relate to God? Well, maybe we, maybe we obey God out of obligation like a birthday party gift. God has invited me to his great party of salvation. I guess I should give my life to him. Or maybe we live for God to get something in return, like that second farmer. If I offer myself to God, then maybe things will go better for me. Is that your motivation in your heart? Or are you more like that first farmer? Do you have a willingness to give yourself to God just because, just because he is worthy of it, just because it would be an honour for you to do it for him, just because you want to, because you know how great God is. Let us be a people who ask, what shall I return to the Lord for all his goodness to me? Uh, we're now going to stand and we're going to sing and reflect so that we can see God's mercy as we perceive his wondrous cross. Let's stand.